Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Hashtag Morris Mondays. I'm your host, Dr. James Morris, presiding elder of the Central Florida District of the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church and senior pastor of Carter Tabernacle CME Church here in Orlando, Florida. Thanks for being with us. Today, I want to talk about uh, the death penalty. And uh, I'm prompted to talk about it because I was asked a question uh, just last week about what I thought about Orlando resident Marquise Lloyd, who received the death penalty. And I was asked what my stance is on the death penalty. Well, to give a little background first to those of you who are not from the Orlando area about Marquis Lloyd. Marquis Lloyd is an already convicted killer. In 2019, uh, he was sentenced to five consecutive life terms for shooting his girlfriend and their unborn baby. While on the run from the police, Marquis Lloyd also shot and killed Orlando Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton. It is clear that Lloyd is a convicted killer who perhaps has some health issues. Notwithstanding health issues, it's clear that he has no regard for human life. And even though I was asked that question about the death penalty and if I still was opposed to the death penalty, I have to respond by saying, yes, unequivocally, I'm still opposed to the death penalty. Just as Lloyd received five life terms for killing his girlfriend and his baby, he could have given more life terms for killing Police Lieutenant Deborah Clayton. I am vehemently opposed to the death penalty for two reasons. First of all, as a man of God, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Christian principles, I do not believe it is another human being's right to take another human being's life. I do not believe that it's the right of the state to take a human's life. I'm opposed to it. In one of the commandments, God says, thou shall not kill. And so that's the first reason that I'm opposed to the death penalty. The second reason is because the death penalty historically has been meted out unfairly against persons of color. 
I, I don't condone what Marquis Lloyd did or what any other person does who takes someone's life. But I do know that two wrongs don't make a right. And killing another human being because they killed someone else does not bring that someone else back. Scripture tells us that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The Lord will repay for our misdeeds. He will repay you and I for the misdeeds we've done. And so I can't in good conscience support the death penalty from a Christian humanist point of view. I believe in the sanctity of life. And I also believe that the state must believe in the sanctity of life. I'm, I'm always amazed at those persons who <clears throat> are against abortion, who are in favor of the death penalty. Doesn't make sense to me. How you can fight to save an unborn baby and then fight to kill someone who's already alive doesn't wash for me. With that in mind, I want to spend some time talking about the death penalty and what it has done uh, in America and how it has destroyed so many lives. I want to start by asking you the question, need I remind particularly my brothers and sisters, this Monday afternoon, that the aftermath of the Civil War and the emancipation of our ancestors, that almost 5,000 Blacks were killed by lynch mobs. And lynching was praised as a necessary and a just and considered good sign, a good sign that a sense of justice yet lived in America. Killing someone because they were black was a sign that justice lived in America? That lynchings were praised and considered necessary? My brothers and sisters, it's 2022 and the disparity with which the death penalty, which is nothing but modern day court and state sanctioned lynchings, the disparity which the way the death penalty is carried out is evidence that 
prejudice and racism remain potent forces infecting our present day justice system. Now, don't take my word for it alone. Evidence of racial discrimination in the U.S. death penalty system has attracted worldwide attention. We're still killing more people by state-sanctioned murder than any other nation on the face of the earth. So much so until I recall in 1996, there was the International Commission of, of Jurists whose members included respected judges from around the world. They, they visited the United States and researched the way in which the death penalty was used on American soil. And here's what they reported. And I read from the report, quote, the administration of capital punishment in the United States continues to be discriminatory and unjust and hence arbitrary based upon race. And then more recently, the United Nations uh, Special Rapporteur uh, on Extrajudicial Summary and Arbitrary Executions, that commission filed a report with the UN Commission on Human Rights. And this is what they said, and I quote from their report, race, ethnic origin, and economic status appear to be key determinants of who will and who will not receive a sentence of death, end quote. Folks, court records across the width and breadth of this nation are replete with the blatant racism that has infected our system of jurisprudence. In countless death penalty cases, the use of derogatory slurs kindled the flames of prejudice and has allowed jurors to judge harshly young black men and women who they want to make scapegoats for the cancer of crime that has permeated American society. It was U.S. Supreme Court Justice William Brennan who said in 1987, he said, it's tempting to pretend that minorities on death row share a false, share a fate in no way connected to our own. It's tempting to pretend that, he said, that our treatment of them sounds no echoes beyond the chambers in which they die. Such an illusion, Justice Brennan went on to say, is ultimately corrosive for the reverberations 
of injustice are not easily confined. What a brilliant statement from a brilliant legal scholar who said that America can not act as if Minorities on death row share a fate that is not connected to everyone else's. It says something about who we are as a country, as a people, when we're so quick to put people to death. I agree with Justice Brennan because I see the sores that fester and are, even as I speak, festering as executions are again accelerating and appeals are being curtailed. The human costs of this racial injustice is incalculable. And while the decisions of who lives and dies are being made along racial and socioeconomic lines, I'm sorry and I'm also embarrassed to report that in the midst of these inequities, The church, not just the black church, the white church, the Hispanic church, synagogues, mosques, are sitting idly by in muted and muffled tones of tolerance, tolerating what's going on in our judicial system, turning our backs as if we turn away from it, it won't really exist. We're busy calling for peace, peace, when there is no peace. The church, the community of faith and the faithful must speak out for the countless numbers of death row inmates and their families who are also victims of this unfair, unjust system. These persons are all victims who the broader American society wishes to banish from not only society, but from the human community as well. Those whose voices are too faint to be heard above a segment of our society who demand punishment and punishment by death. Those voices, those muted and muffled black voices must be heard. And it's time for the church to declare that majoritarian choruses must not alone dictate
dictate the conditions of American social life. You see, it is my contention that we must support any and all agencies, and organizations and groups and movements who stand in opposition to the death penalty. Those groups who cherish democratic traditions over ugly customs and biases that seek to kill those who have committed a crime against society and other persons. The church must stand in solidarity with those organizations and say the death penalty should be done away with. In his uh, speech entitled, Our God is Marching On, civil rights leader, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the battle is in our hands. And from this day forward, we must invoke a new normal. The old normalcy must be abolished. What King said then is apropos for now. It must no longer be normal practice that we sit idly by and watch as prosecutors divide prospective jurors into four categories. One strong, two medium, three weak, and four black. The normal practice of where people who look like me are killed on our nation's streets is old news. And district attorneys don't seek to avenge our deaths because that's just the way it is. That's a normal that must be changed. Well, how do we change this? How do we get the death penalty abolished or at least where it's meted out fairly? How do we make the changes that, that need uh, to be made? We make them by filling out ballot boxes. The midterm elections and local elections are on the distant horizon. My brothers and sisters of all races who, who agree with this thinking must vote and vote in huge numbers. Vote until race baiters disappear from offices they now hold. Vote until the salient misdeeds of bloodthirsty juries are, are transformed into good and fair juries determined to see justice is done regardless of race, bigotry, and, or socioeconomic standard. Vote until racist judges and their blood-drenched black robes are free of the crimson blood of black men and women. Vote until the influence of race in death penalty cases is no longer pervasive and corrosive. Vote until there's no way the courts of this land can maintain the slogan of equal justice under the law, while at the same time ignoring the racial injustices of states like Florida and others who are guilty of 
taking the lives of persons by and large because of the color of their skin. Look, I looked this up. We are 159 years since the Emancipation Proclamation, Proclamation, 152 years since the ratifying of the 15th Amendment, 58 years since Brown versus Board of Education, 57 years since the murder of Emmett Till, 59 years since Medgar Evers was gunned down, 59 years since the murder of four little girls in a Birmingham church, 58 years since the signing of the Civil Rights Act, 57 years since the Voting Rights Act, 57 years since Malcolm was assassinated, and 54 years since Dr. King was assassinated. All of these, my brothers and sisters, and we are still in the same condition that we were in then, in the courts and in the justice system in this country. 2022, it's time to make the change. But the change, it is clear, will not happen just because we want it to change. We've got to force the change. And the way we force the change is at the ballot box. I'm looking forward to the day when America will no longer lead the world in the number of persons it puts to death because of crimes they have committed. Well, I'm sure you have some opinions about this. Let us hear you. We'll talk about it. These are issues that are affecting this country. Well, I hope I've given you something to chew on between now and the next time we're together. But remember, until next time, heaven is watching how we respond. Until next time, God bless you. You can listen to the latest episode of Morris Mondays via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and where other podcast outlets are available.